Welcome to the 301 Podcast, the interview podcast for the hottest up-and-coming entrepreneurs, artists, and creators. Real, authentic, and inspiring. And here is your host, Marcus Engel. Let's get it started in 301. Welcome back to the 301 Podcast. Today we talk about a hot, hot topic. Today we talk about cannabis. I would like to introduce you to Kilian Kamler, a real multi-talent and entrepreneurial mastermind. During the podcast, we talk a lot about the cannabis project he's part of. The cannabis project Hanfbörse just got the European funding for industrial harvesting of the hemp plant. So today we learn a lot about how the plant is harvested, why it is harvested and also the health benefits of it. Besides that, we talked how he delivered 30,000 masks to a hospital in the first corona pandemic and many, many, many more topics. It was a really diverse podcast with a lot of different topics, with a lot of different learnings. But most importantly, it was a podcast where we could showcase the unbelievable drive of Kilian, a true entrepreneur and real mastermind. I hope you enjoy listening to this podcast in 301. Cool. Let's get it. Hey, Kilian, thank you so much for being part in the in the podcast. I'm super, super, super excited to have you here. I'm glad. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> Thanks for the and, invitation. And what I find so cool that we go way back to 2014 or 2015. So we had a couple of uh, trips with the... We studied in the same city. Uh, we studied in the same university. We didn't study the same study program, but we were both part of the marketing department of the university where we had trips to go to Germany to teach some some Germans that they should start studying <laughs> in the Netherlands Definitely. and yeah yeah and during that time I already I think could feel how how much of an entrepreneurial spirit you are and how much of an, an a born entrepreneur I would say you are uh, but before I do all the introduction uh, I will want to give you quickly the chance to introduce yourself who you are and uh, what you do Yeah, thanks, Marcus, uh, for the awesome introduction. I'm uh, Killian, Killian Kemmler from Hanover, Northern Germany. I'm 26 years old, and currently I am living and studying in, in Cologne. Um, before, I was um, yeah, studying with Marcus in Leeuwarden in the beautiful Netherlands uh, for four years, um, and including a half a year in Spain, Madrid, for my Erasmus and an internship in uh, Germany. And uh, now I'm here. Nice. And um, I think we lost sight a little bit after uh, we, we graduated. Uh, what, what did you do after you graduated? After my graduation, I uh, wanted to take the famous sabbatical. I wanted to just uh, take a year off and see what I could do uh, with my already, um, with my knowledge I already gained during my studies. And I wasn't sure uh, what field I want to work in. I was always interested in marketing, in sports, in event management. Um, but I wanted to try something very different. And um, I tried out my knowledge and whatever I could achieve in the hemp industry, in the cannabis industry. Super interesting. And we will talk about the hemp industry a little bit later. Um, f you also worked in sports, right? You worked for VfL uh, Wolfsburg first, and now you are doing currently a master degree also in sports management, right? Yes, that's true. Yeah, I was uh, doing my internship and my bachelor's thesis in the event department of VfL Wolfsburg, the German soccer club, and uh, playing in the Bundesliga. Um, if you if if you have some knowledge in football, 
Um, you might know them. They're closely connected to Volkswagen, <laughs> the huge uh, car manufacturer. Um, but yeah, I was working there for about a year. And um, that happened um, before my hemp industry <laughs> exploration. And um, now I'm back in the sports business here in Cologne. I'm doing my master, master's in the sports management field. Nice. What, what is it that fascinates you so much about uh, the football industry or the sports industry? Um, the the internal the internal motivation I have for the sports it's is what drives me the most I would say because I could get up every morning and I know why I'm going to work what I'm doing for work and I'm highly motivated without even having a doubt because I know what sports can give to people. I know what sports does to people and it always is a huge uh, motivation um, for me. And every day I, w I went to work there. It was a, a nine to five job most of the time, um, plus all the um, events on the weekends or the um, home matches, of course. Mm. But every, every day I got up and I was just highly motivated to go to work and never stopped. Yeah, yeah, I can. I, I mean, for me, that it makes totally sense because I find it always so interesting for people that that don't want to work in sports or that have no real connection to sports. It is such a. It's basically driven by passion. Like there's nothing else. It's just yeah. you just want to have that that feeling and uh, be part of like that big like sports event or that big construct that is opening up. Definitely, it's it's like um, it, we always had the kind of dream to be a professional. Um, football player but of course <laughs> we didn't make it and now it's our small piece our small piece having that little foot in the business and doing our part for our favorite i don't know club or whatever to do the best and we kind of can be uh, feel um, being a part of it <laughs> yeah. yeah and I, i said already like in the beginnings for me that you're the the born entrepreneur um because i also found it super interesting that uh, while you were a student You started with a couple of other guys, um, Campus Leovarden sweaters. Yes. Can you maybe like talk? Uh, because w was this your first entrepreneurial venture? And yeah, if yes, then then uh, explain us a little bit how it started and what did you learn from that? Definitely, it was the biggest first entrepreneurial adventure. Um, back then, I had the thought of, um, let's say. Um, gathering all the motivation we have in in leo warden and creating one brand which connects all the students in leo warden because we had three universities but they all had a different name and no all of the students were kind of divided within the city and i wanted to create something which connects them and the sweater was just was just the name campus leo warden was for me the perfect connection for all the students from all leo warden to represent where they're from and to represent where they're currently studying. And um, yeah, we um, we sold um, all the hoodies we ordered back then. It was a huge hassle, the biggest hassle I could have imagined. And um, it was worth it in the end, of course. But during that year, it was my third year, the last year in Leo Warden. Man, I didn't sleep. I didn't sleep much. That's for sure. <laughs> and not because of partying. No, well, starting, uh, partying was also a big part of it. But you know, imagine getting up every day at eight, latest, um, go to the lectures, um, do uh, do the homework, do the assignments, um, then do something uh, for university. 
then do something for the promotion team, then do something for the hoodie um, company. And then I slept from two to from two or three until eight. That was it every day for <laughs> almost a year. Yeah, that's crazy. And and how much did you like? How many uh, sweaters did you sell? Do you know? In the end, we sold over 400 sweaters. Yeah, that's insane. And it was also a collaboration, if I remember well, with Marco Polo, right? With Marco Polo, yeah. And then, how how did you set that up? Like, how did that go? Um, I I saw them swear. I saw the cooperation um, going on in a lot of German cities, but one thing I, I kind of didn't research and I, I I didn't recognize was that Marco Polo is a German brand, and the Netherlands nobody knew Marco Polo. So it was not the biggest selling advantage to tell people, oh, this is made with the brand Marco Polo because they didn't even know, never heard about the brand. <laughs> so that didn't make it um, easier for me, but a huge learning, of course. And um, yeah, I would have done it differently for sure. But now I'm here, I'm still alive and everything went well. <laughs> alive and kicking. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think also the, the Corona pandemic is a, is a big big topic right now and especially in the beginning there was a big shortage of face masks and um, I don't know the story behind it so I'm just asking you and, yeah. and hoping that it's an amazing story I saw some pictures of you and and stories that you delivered thousands of face masks to hospitals and this was the time when like literally the government was not able to provide like face masks and uh, other protective Uh, gear for the doctors and the nurses so yeah how did you do that <laughs> well <laughs> i just hate to be um sitting home alone watching netflix and doing nothing and i mean corona told me to just stay home and do nothing but as i said before i can't just be sitting at home um so i was talking to some friends i was talking to some business friends And yeah, we kind of um, made a connection very soon um, to China, to a business friend of ours who lives in China, in Peking. He is uh, originally from Germany and he um, has set up already an, um, a logistic chain for 20 years. And of course, you can use this logistic chain um, for all kinds of, kind of articles um, as well as face masks. And yeah, I could have said it, um, couldn't have said it better. Back then, when even the government was not able to deliver the masks, we already delivered to the hospital. For that example, it was uh, 50,000 um, protective clothing and 150,000 masks um, to the hospital in Magdeburg in um, Sachsen-Anhalt in Germany. And um, it was a huge deal. And even the press showed up and um, like so many things uh, were going on just because we were able to deliver the masks before the government. And it just... I mean, you have to talk to people, of course, you have to um, be proactive and um, sometimes figure things out you never hear before of and take a risk. But it's it's for sure worth it. Worth it. And uh, in, in case of the masks, um, yeah, you know, it it's also felt like it felt weird to be faster and be more delivering than, the, than the, even your, your government would be. Um, but it was just a short period of time um, for my semester break in, in between the semesters and it was 
better than for sure every Netflix episode I could have yet. <laughs> yeah, super, super impressive. I, for me, it still doesn't go into my head that is like that. I don't know a single person or like I mean it was a group of people that worked together on that project, but that ten people can basically pull it off and and deliver those those masks and the the government is is not able. But I mean probably there are also more regulations to it. But yeah, big kudos to to you to um, yeah smash this this project, <laughs> and all that I think uh, lead leads up to to the project that you already uh, mentioned previously that you are currently in and you are part of a hemp project yeah. uh, which is called Hanfbörse. Yeah. Uh, probably difficult to translate like hemp exchange or something like this, right? Yeah. Hemp, <laughs> um, hemp stock market or hemp uh, exchange market, yeah. Yeah. So how did you get into that that project? Um that project also originated from my internship at the Fourth of Wolfsburg at the football club because the one of the main dudes I was working with He's organizing um, the catering um, within and around the stadium for all the match days. And because I had to um, set up all the logistics and all the food and drinks booths around the stadium, I had to be closely connected to him. And um, we got along really well, but it was always on the business side. And then um, during the last days of my internship, um, it was the um, stadium festival with uh, more than 20,000 guests. Uh, we sat down, everything went well. And um, he was like, hey, Killian, so what's up? Tomorrow you, is your last day and what are you going to do? I was like, well, I think I want to go to South America, you know, um, um, deepen my uh, knowledge in, English, uh, in Spanish and just tr travel around. And then he was like, well, if you can give me a hemp field, if you, if you tell me, where Hempfield is in South America and I can grow some hemp there, I will give you some money, some hemp money, you know, you know, and I was like, well, that sounds weird. That, that let's, let's talk about it a little bit um, longer. And we met the next day at his office. We, we, we talked for four hours and he told me the long, long history of hemp, of cannabis, where it's coming from, why it was forbidden. And um, it was closely connected to racism and um, to get the Mexicans and the, the blacks out of America. And it was associated uh, with, with the normal people, but because of hate and racism, um, yeah, they, 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 um, they prohibited cannabis in America. And because of that, and because we almost copy everything America was doing or is doing um, still um, here in Europe, we also prohibited um, cannabis for the mm -hmm. wrong reasons. I know yet now, but what I was taught uh, when I was younger, when I was a kid, and I mean, you also went to a German school. We are taught that once you smoke one joint, you're you're fully um, you're fully addicted to it. You are just a scumbag. You're just nothing in the society, and you will never do something better in life. But all the upper sides of hemp, what it can cure, all the um, all the injuries all the health mental problems it could cure are never taught in any school or medical school and that's why it's still forbidden for the wrong mm. reasons i know now and um <laughs> now coming back um to the beginning of the of the question um so the the caterer he asked me if i want to kind of work for him in a project way and i was like well i'm in between um of 
um, my studies. I'm not sure if I want to continue doing my master's. I'm done with my bachelor's. And I was like, well, why not? Let's start something together and try our best. Super, super interesting. And just for the for the listeners, I think to, to get it straight, because I don't know if everyone knows it. Um, so basically, cannabis, this is the blend, but it gives, there are like two species, right? So correct me if I'm wrong. Um, hemp is uh, high in CBD and low in THC, and marijuana is the other way around, right? Um, no. Um, hemp is hemp, and hemp is the English word for it. Cannabis is the Latin word for it. And marijuana is just a made-up word um, by the Americans. And um, it's all the same. It's just one plant. And um, from the cannabis plant, that's called a cannabis or hemp plant, um, you can have um, the female or the male. The females are the ones with the high THC. And the males are the ones with the low THC. And that's it. And you can make okay. out and of one plant everything you want either way you you have it um with psychedelics or with a uh, sm smokable stuff with the thc um or you have it as a male version for clothing for um oils for everything we are doing currently here in germany yeah so hanf is um then focusing on on the the male version right And also not long ago, uh, I think you applied for the European Innovation Project Agriculture. <laughs> so very long name. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you got the fund from the European uh, Innovation Project uh, awarded. So first of all, first question is, um, what was the goal of the to like basically apply for that for that funding? What is your mission there with Hans Bresse? Um Yeah, um, the the correct name you said it. It's Ipaki. Um, European Innovation Project Agriculture and um, as the name says the goal is always to improve what we have already in Europe by giving funds to the companies in need and um, we applied in when was it August 2019 and um, we sat down for one entire week it was the longest week in my entire life it was 70 hours straight of not sleeping and writing that application, <laughs> 200 pages um, with only three people. And it was insane. It was an hour, uh, it was a week of an insanity, just uh, coffee, no alcohol, no nothing, just coffee, coffee, coffee. And um, the goal behind it was, well, we have this little, little startup company, but of course money is important. Money is very important to, um, to, to get, in the kind of way you want you want to go and uh, to get a direction and having this this fund by the european union of almost a, um, um three quarter million 70 70 000, no seven hundred thousand euro, um, euros is mm -hmm. um, the best that could ever happen to us because now we already have kind of the fund um we have to tell them at um in advance what the what the money is going to be spent on for the next four years um but that was the 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 main the main thing and to be honest 
the money of the European Union of these funds is kind of just laying around. Nobody's applying for them. And that makes it so much more appealing for all the people who want to apply for them. And everybody I'm, I'm telling um, this about, I'm, I'm telling them, just apply for it. The, the, the money is there. You just have to, you know, you have to apply properly. You have to, of course, use it properly. But it's the best that could happen to a small and young company. And why do you think it, like no one is really is applying to it? Is it such a new, like exciting field that no one is really into it? Or does it have different reasons? Um, the fund we applied for is just in general agriculture, but it's kind of tough to apply for it because we were three people who took the entire week off of everything. But normally you're like a normal employee or worker who has to work during an entire week and you can just take a week off to do such a such an application. And um, that's why I'm, I'm pretty sure that the money is just um, laying around. And when I see... Um, the, the money who's been taken off of the last years, it's no comparison um, to other states. Um, and yeah, that's why I'm saying that nobody's really applying for them. Yeah. And and what is then your goal now with Hanfbörse to to use that money for? I mean, you don't have to go into too much detail, but just yeah. like higher over what, what you yeah. want to do. Well, the, the most important part is um, like we, we call it to set up a supply chain um, within the region of um, Sachsen-Anhalt, of the Harz, of the Harz Mountains. And uh, like the three main points are um, to develop and provide a mechanical systems and making use of the entire plant. Because you have to know with the cannabis plant, you can use either way the upper part, the middle part, or the lower part. And um, every part um, creates something different. The upper part with the leaves, um, you can harvest um, to produce... THC, the middle part um, you can use to make hemp seed oil, and the lower part, the roots, um, you can um, harvest to, ex for example, make um, drinks with it or um, also medical supply. And um, for the, and the third part of our um, project is the execution for a cost usage analysis of harvesting, processing, and distribution. And um, you, have to, you have to keep in mind that all the things we do with the cannabis plant, with the hemp plant, it's very new. For the last dec decade, nobody was working with it. And um, therefore, it, it's something very new and very interesting to do research about for the European Union, but also for us. Mm. And, and do you have to document it, like everything that you do, or is it just like a like trial and error uh, <laughs> approach there? Yeah, I, I, we wish, we wish just try and error no we have to closely um, write down and note what we're doing and we have to report everything every single step to the european union to the european commission who gave us the fund hmm. yeah and what happens if like the goals that you have now specified that you got that fund what happens if you don't reach those goals um if we don't reach them nothing bad or whatever would happen because part of research is also to be able to fail and um, we wouldn't have to pay back anything or we wouldn't get sued um, because if it if it doesn't work out it's also kind of the the mission of of these funds you know you have to figure out if something is working 
and if the if the soil if the ground if the water if the plants the seeds if they don't work out well we can change it it's the nature's it's the nature of the of the cannabis of the of the plant and then they also then they figured out for that part of germany of or the european union and then it's a done deal it's also fine no what was the the biggest setback for you guys in in that project so far the biggest setback um it was if there the, was any it was the bureaucracy bureaucracy for sure because you know for the european union you have to kind of strip down you have to be naked completely naked you have to show everything you got and that makes it very difficult because we're working in total with 10 different parties and the other dudes companies parties you know they're not all mid-20-ish um, people who are students and can um, do whatever they want with their kind of free time they have and mm. on their hands But the real companies and the real people having to feed families and um, yeah, that makes it very difficult um, for all these people to to stay tuned and be up for it 24/7. You know, and now building one roof, one company with all these ten different parties, it's very difficult. No. Yes. I can imagine. Yeah, and I think it's also um, widely discussed in the media um, to also like legalize uh, cannabis a little bit uh, more. Uh, what is your opinion on that? Or would that help you if it would be legalized? That it, Because uh, maybe I have to like um, start from the beginning. Um, I think a reason why it also, let's say the hemp uh, male plant is not so adopted it's just the bad reputation of like cannabis in general so if you would say like to the average show hey we have those hemp products then they would the the first thought of them is like bah, hemp of course uh, that makes you ad addicted or yeah. Yeah. as you said you know yeah. so i think um if it would be legalized like also um um let's say the the female uh, plant then it would make it i think easier for you guys to sell your products or not? Um, the legalization of THC wouldn't change anything at first because our project is totally based on fibers of the plant and without any CBD or THC, we have nothing to do with it in this project. But next to the project, I'm also working for the Handbörse company and for them, it would make a slight um, difference But you know, someone who's being in the camp industry, in the hemp industry, um, the the one thing which is really amazing about it right now, and I've been to a lot of conferences the last years. I've been to San Francisco, um, introducing a hemp beer there at the first cannabis drinks expo worldwide. I've been to Vienna twice um, to the Cultiva Hemp Expo, uh, which is the biggest cannabis fair in Europe taking place every year except this year of course and um, i've been to the international cannabis conference in berlin um, with very exclusive um, guest speakers for example the dude <laughs> the, the the mister um, who invented or who kind of um, who figured out that thc is a thing he was a he's an old israeli he's almost 90 years old 95 years old and he was a keynote speaker at that conference 
Um, I'm telling you that to just give you an overview of the conferences and the places I've been for all these for all the cannabis um, can, um, industry, and I'm not just there to to get some money out of the CBD because I'm not interested in the CBD. And um, to the initial question, once we would have a legalization here in Germany or Europe of THC. It would be fantastic for everybody who is in the cannabis industry. It would it would be a huge step forward, because I also have a feeling that since the last three to four five years, we can finally openly talk about this topic without all these people giggling in the back and making fun of of people like me who tried to get um yeah to get some 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 fair share in the company in the industry and have some fun in the in the industry. Um, because they're not the pot-smoking reggae guys, um, Rastafari dudes. Of course, they're also there, and they have to be there. It's iconic. They're iconic industry uh, people in the industry, but the, the the young cannabis industry is is growing, growing so fast with a lot of interesting and entrepreneurial people um, that they have to be taken very seriously, and. Um, it's not a childish, um, childish um, industry, and once we would have a legalization, it would be just very great for all the people to be finally able to openly talk about it and give the to give uh, the broad society a deeper understanding of what cannabis can actually really do. Mm. Sorry for for a monologue here, um, but it's very important to understand that, for example, hemp cannabis has been around. For such a long time, the first Bible from Martin Luther was printed on hemp. The the sailing gear of Columbus was made out of hemp. The the first clothing of um, all the armies from around the world were made out of hemp. The first world war, um, the people were fighting in hemp. You know, hemp is actually growing here in Germany. It's growing here in Europe. But we, what are we wearing, Marcus? What are you wearing right now? What what kind, what type of um, texture is your shirt or your um, t-shirt made of right now? Yeah, like polyester, probably. Polyester, wool, <laughs> yeah. right? And wool, where where does it grow? It doesn't grow here in Germany. It doesn't grow in Europe. So, in terms of sustainability and in terms of um, local sourcing, we're sourcing clothes, tons of tons and tons and millions every day, every year, from very abroad. But hemp, hemp would be growing here. That's something we forget. We forgot the last, let's say, 100 years. Before mm -hmm. that, it was totally normal to be wearing hemp shirts, hemp um, pants, hemp whatever, you know? <laughs> it's um, yeah, it's fascinating to me. Yeah, it's definitely also fascinating to, to me. I, I did not know anything about it. So uh, I, learned, I learned a lot today. <laughs> Because the only thing that, um, let's say... Um, I also call myself to it. Uh, the average show um, hears about it is like uh, CBD oil. I think this is the one thing that is, let's say, adopted now the fastest. So yeah. a lot of a lot of people are using it. Um, what What do you think, in your opinion? Like, is the or not maybe your opinion, but what What are the main benefits from 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 hemp? Like health benefits, if if I if I talk about that. Yeah, um, hemp either way, THC or CBD or both in the perfect mixture can help. It sounds stupid, but it can help for almost 
every kind of pain um, you could be in or mental state you could be in. It could not cure, but better depression, anxiety, um, pain, um, s um, sleep, um, how you call it? <laughs> um, like insomnia. If, yeah, if you can't sleep. Um, menstruational pain for the for the women. Um, you know, for so many diseases, it could be a cure or at least a pain relief um, that we don't know of. But of course, the pharma industry doesn't want to hemp to grow because hemp is naturally growing. Hemp could be very um, cheap, but all the pharma um, companies are not earning anything with with hemp because the the pills they're producing they are the big money makers also the pain the the pills they're producing also have side effects which can be cured with other pills they're producing you know it's a it's a money machine um in in one one circle and once hemp something natural will be stepping in that circle it would destroy the entire industry no yeah, no it's it's already proven that cannabis can cure so many diseases but it's always depending on the right dosage and that's something people forget yeah yeah those are, i mean the the lobby of the pharmaceutical industry is just way too big to you know for, for that to, to let it happen <laughs> i think to to just um get a natural plant in their way that can be basically planted everywhere yeah uh, with unlimited uh, almost unlimited uh, demand i think in, in the end uh, and supply Yeah, you just have to look at the states right now. I mean, now the at the Biden election, I think seven or eight more states um, allowed marijuana to be sold and grown there. And now out of 50 states, I'm not even sure, 40, 45 states are legally selling cannabis and even other um, yeah, enhancing drugs because they know how much it can do for the people and how much they, it could cure for the people, but also for tax reasons, of course, for money reasons. Mm. Yeah, it's super interesting. And I find it so cool also how, how passionate you, you can talk about the topic because this is exactly, I think, what it also needs uh, to have like ambassadors like like you um, that talk different about the topic that uh, look at it from the entrepreneurial side, but also look at it from the, from the health side because... Yeah, I think in a lot of uh, heads, it's just like those stoners that would like to smoke something and they like to get it legally and not Ill illegally. And I think that is like the, the public opinion, why, why people want it to be, to be legalized. But I think that's, uh, that's not, the, not the case. Yeah. And um, yeah, if you talk a little bit about like the future or sort of the future of, uh, of Hanfbörse, um, like where do you want to go the, the next couple of years? I also read online that you want to create Hemp City, which I found super, super funny. Yeah. Uh, is that a real goal or is that just uh, something that, yeah, that, that is good on, to have on the website? Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> Hemp City is a real thing. Yeah, for sure. But something for, let's say, in 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. Um, it's like, let's say, Spotify or Amazon or... You know, all these small things, they always have something bigger in mind or Google um, than they're actually creating right now. Um, but, um, you know, for the for the near future, it's just to have fun, to figure something out, to produce more hemp products, which could um, contribute our society. But always having an eye 
on the medical stuff, on the medical supply of THC or CBD. Um, in the near future, we want to buy, for example, extraction um, machines to extract our own CBD. Um, when we went to San Francisco last year, we had business meetings every day uh, for the seven days we were there with um, dispensary owners and um, grower, growers in, um, in the States. Mm-hmm. And we took a look at their um, yeah, company, at, at their machines, how they do it, what they use. And um, yeah, we have now kind of basic knowledge. And um, whenever, e- either way, legal authorities or the market is right um, to grow our own THC slash CBD, um, we're in it for sure. That's the that's the main goal, and um, not to even joke around. Maybe get it a step further, make it bigger with educational stuff with a hospital, and then you have the name back again, Hemp City, with with one spot, with one city where you can grow um, your own supply for the entire city, state, country, whatever, where you have um, educational, um, legal institutions with a school with a um, with a university for example where you have a hospital where you have um, pharmacies and um, don't don't steal that now but one of my uh, favorite words is the Handvotheke. it may be the only <laughs> word in germany but that's something i'm really looking forward to have <laughs> the first uh, i think in germany. we have to we have to cut that out otherwise this is this is gone real quick <laughs> Already trademarked, no problem. Trademark, that's already trademarked. I, I will put it in the show notes, uh, TR. <laughs> I, I find it super cool, a, a nice nice goal as well to have a little bit that uh, North Star at, at the end to to look forward to. Um, it, like, I also find it, yeah, very, very interesting if I, there's a, there's quite a pattern in your life. I don't know if you realize it as well. But uh, you spend always hours and hours and hours in projects and uh, do something like on on the side. So now you spend first you spend hours and hours and hours on the sweaters, then on the masks, now on hemp. Um, like why? Like where where's that inner motivation? That inner um, like engine? Where's that coming from? <laughs> uh, that's a good question. I don't know, it's always kind of been like that and I always wanted to do something more than the ordinary and I, as I said in the beginning, I, I can't just be, um, sit on my couch and be the normal couch potato and um, it's, you know, in, in your, especially in your 20s or until you have family and, and people you have to take care of, your wife, children, whatever, you can just try and you cannot even fail except, of course, money-wise, but I mean, everything is with, always with a plan B. And I just hate I hate losing, for sure. But it's also another side to it. It's more like I hate um, just um, not contributing my society with my own, with my own motivation, with an own inner thrill um, to do maybe better day by day, but also um, to, to help people out. Um, with something I I, passion, I passionately do and love, and whenever I do something, you know, another door opens, and it's the the famous, um, um, the famous quote or the famous saying, 
um, one door closes, another de- another d- door opens. But mm. it's always been like that. And um, you know, for example, looking back back at the marketing um, team of Stenden, if we wouldn't have worked very closely at the international business uh, t- tourism fair um, back in Berlin, we wouldn't be sitting here. You know, and that's mm. what's what's it all about. And as long as I can try so many things, I'm up for it for sure. And you know, now quoting <laughs> Justin Bieber. Uh, never say never <laughs> um you know you can't lose and i i'm just someone who 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 tries to to be taking or taking apart in so many things and just try you can't fail yeah no do, do you think that mm, the whole trying part the whole starting something up is not push, pushed enough in 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 germany or in german society um now i'm i'm back in germany living and studying here i can tell for sure that i'm missing that yes because what i saw in netherlands and how the style of studying there was and the the way um i was taught in projects um is very different to what i was taught here in germany and everything here seems to me that everything is in, in lines already everything has to be very planned out And there's no um, way around. And, um, you know, in other parts of, of the world, people are more openly to choose and they also can choose for the wrong for the wrong way. But anyways, they will end up in the same goal. Maybe they take a they take a detour or they take a way back to to step up again. But that's something very to me missing um, in Germany, that kind of product project based living also in their in their in their student life or also when they're younger you know just just try um what whatever you you feel passionate about and that's something very important no yeah, yeah we, uh, i think it should be implemented way earlier already um, it should be implemented uh, in uh, elementary school in in i don't know in all the the other the other schools the high schools because we, it's not really this is never really a part of it like being an entrepreneur or like starting something up and if you start something up then you have i mean you always have a lot of doubters but i i have the feeling that especially in germany sometimes that people they don't they like you to succeed but also not so it's <laughs> like <laughs> yeah <laughs> good job like try 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 to to do it or as you said as well right that you say like um you you push for the for the hemp And people look at you and say, like, well, what are you doing there? Or like, does it really make sense? Like, right now, it, who wants to use that product or something like this? But in five years, if it, if you have, like, a hemp, hemp city built, then they they would be probably not very happy about it. Yeah, you know, like, imagine me four years ago. Um, I was so scared to tell my mom that I'm kind of working in the cannabis industry. And I was like thinking, like, how how do I tell her that? What I what do I tell her? And I told her, and she was like, "Well, sounds good. Go ahead." <laughs> I was like, "What the? Why did I freak out out about it? Like for no reasons, for the wrong reasons." And that was like the sign for me that it's so much more accepted that um, I would have I would have thought. And um, now, I, what I came, what came to my mind, um, what we were talking about earlier, um, you know, when I I was with 16 i was an exchange student in the united states 
and and in school we had classes for guitar classes we had classes for weightlifting um we had classes for creating the yearbook um you could play um you know all kind of sports or creative stuff during your school time and it was an entire class of i had 3d building um classes um every wednesday morning i still remember it was the worst but you know i could figure it out that it was nothing for me or it was something for mm -hmm. me and i had guitar for half a year i could i, can, I still can't play that freaking song but i figured out during that year that guitar won't be my passion that 3d building something on the computer won't be my passion um but for for sure the yearbook class like being doing something graphic on the computer with indesign or photoshop was something i was passionate about and that's mm. something very much missing here in the in the german society because in classes all you have is um what what is taught to you for the last 100 150 um, years but you cannot actually try something around it and you cannot try these um, creative parts to figure out what you truly are passionate about yeah sure what are you more afraid of uh, success or failure failure for sure for sure i mean on, on the success you can only grow on a failure for sure as well but you always have to have a backup plan a plan b or c which makes it sometimes very difficult Hmm. that's very interesting right um uh, because i i ask that question quite a lot in in the podcast yeah. and uh, it's not always failure <laughs> so a lot of time it's a success actually yeah yeah that's but i'm i'm just um thinking what is like more helpful and in that sense you know for me of course looking back on failure you grow but in the in the failure, in the right moment of failure, it's the worst feeling ever. Yeah, for sure. And how would you define success for yourself? Success for myself is a good question again, is um, something you can be proud of, um, something you can be sitting at home and um, be like confident about telling your friends, your family, it um, didn't hurt anybody. And you can be just, okay, I worked for it so hard. And in the end, it worked out. It doesn't matter how uh, weird or uh, different people saw my opinion or view. Um, yeah, in the end, you can be just like, okay, that went really well. And I can be proud of. And that is um, truly, yeah, success for me. Nice. That's a that's a good one. I think a lot for also for many people just to remember as well. Sometimes it can be so little success, yeah. and it should not always be connected to like monetary goals or uh, like a big car or you um, know success can be yeah. so like marginal as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I'm speaking for a lot of people on our age that we're way beyond the um, the material stuff, and we don't need big cars or big watches around our wrist. No bling bling um, to be happy, and um, if if we wouldn't have Corona, I mean, traveling around the globe and um, seeing so many places is something we couldn't already be very happy about, and um, can also be closely connected to kind of success also for yourself. No, definitely. You said before that when you did the yearbook in in America, you you like to work creatively you uh, 
have also some creative output how do you like feel or like how can you showcase your creativity like on a daily basis how do you how do you define it for yourself like what is creativity for you and like how 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 do you have your creative output um yeah back in in um in the states when i was in the yearbook class before that i even and that was my first internship as a graphic designer for back then it was like word and print or something like a weird title for a name nowadays or for a job nowadays but it was my first internship in the eighth or ninth class for school and um you know my my parents they're both uh, they were photographers and i always was interested in editing the the, the pictures with InDesign or Photoshop. I helped my mom a lot trying to do that. And um, then I, in the, in the yearbook, I, I kind of continued working in it. And um, I now integrate that. Oops, Allah, that was an email. I'm sorry. <laughs> no worries. Um, I integrated in, in my, in, in my entrepreneurship because Now, when you when you ask the question and when I'm thinking about it, there was something I was kind of missing throughout my entire studies because my studies were always focused on like economics and doing economics. Nobody cares about your creativity that much, only with poster presentations, PowerPoints whatsoever. But being entrepreneur, I can I can be I, I'm able to take care of the marketing myself, more or less. And mm. um, there I can give my creative input and I would never like to miss that because that's something, um, yeah, would, which gives you a weird feeling. And I think all of us have that, um, that you sometimes can't unleash a potential which is with you during your day-to-day -day life or doing, during your daily job because it's just not asked for. Mm. And being an entrepreneur, being self-rewarding, being like, to work um, for your own, you can integrate whatever you want, but maybe probably it's also the, the downside of a 24 seven job as a self, um, self made or as an entrepreneur. <laughs> I, I think that's the, that's the answer to the previous question. Potential <laughs> that you haven't unleashed yet is uh, being an entrepreneur. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah. If you if you could uh, paint like a perfect day, like the the perfect day for you, what yeah. would you do? The perfect day, it would be for sure a summer day. I love the sun, and I would wake up at five to eight. I would drink some water. I always drink water in my bed, like almost a liter, um, the moment I wake up, <laughs> and um, I. You know, I, I would just walk around the house. I would take a um, look out of the window. I would go for a run, just a chill run, just like 45 minutes, one hour. I would come back, have a nice coffee. Not, not that fast, but like an hour later at 11. I would have a huge breakfast. I love breakfast. And let's pretend it's a Sunday. I would go to the closest football club would watch a nice um, soccer football match, um, pretend that <laughs> um, that I was <laughs> that I was a good player back then. Tell all the <laughs> tell all the um, young players how good I was and um, have a good cold beer and go to bed again. That would be nice. a nice day. 
That sounds like a very relaxed day. Yeah, right. Super relaxed. <laughs> Um, before we round off this uh, podcast, I I always have like three questions to to round off the the podcast. But uh, just to sum up quickly what we have talked about, I found it super interesting. Um, I think the the, the episode title is going to be probably the born entrepreneur because I think this is really what it is about. So uh, you always take chances, you study, you work, you have two three side projects. Uh, and I think this is like a very, very good uh, foundation for maybe your unleashed potential that you yet to have <laughs> unleashed uh, to become an entrepreneur yourself. Um, so, yeah, thank you. Thank you for, for your openness and also for the interesting excourse into the, the hemp business. I think for a lot of listeners, this is also quite some some new topics and some some new information, I hope. And uh, yeah, let's uh, let's get to the last three questions. Yeah. They should be very fast to to answer. Uh, so, what are you not very good at right now that you want to become better at? In general, instruments. Instruments. I'm horrible at every instrument you can imagine, and I would. <laughs> I still want to learn the freaking guitar or play a piano. Okay, nice. Uh, which title would you give this chapter of your life? Figuring it out. Figuring it out. And if you could send an SMS or WhatsApp or <laughs> whatever uh, to every mobile phone in this world, what would you say? Have a beer and a joint and you will all be a decent human being. <laughs> That's perfect. That fits also perfectly to the, to the episode team. <laughs> cool. Hey, uh, Kilian, thank you so much for being part of the 3 Room podcast. It was very interesting. And uh, yeah, let's let's stay in touch. Thanks a lot, uh, Marcus, for having me. It was a great, um, yeah, great talk and my first podcast podcast episode. I'm very proud of also you what you're doing here, and awesome to just um, be able to talk to you. Thanks, Marcus. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Take care, man. And another great episode has come to an end. Thank you so much for listening to the Three One Podcast. This episode was full of different topics, but of course we talked a lot about his hemp project. And personally, I learned a lot about the hemp industry. Uh, I did not know a lot about hemp in general. And I think it was interesting to know that hemp has such a long history in many different industries, in many different products, in many different fibers and how it was used in the past. And maybe the guys from Hansbörse are able to bring back hemp more into the life of the people again. Another big learning for me personally was the whole EU funds that Kilian was talking about. He said that a lot of EU funds are available. So also definitely for all the startup founders out here, for everyone who wants to start a project in agriculture, but also in every other project, go check out if maybe funding is available also for you or for your project. And um, yeah, a lot of times we think more about um, investors, series ABC rounds and so on and so on. And maybe the EU funding is available, but it's just more difficult maybe to apply for. And it takes a little bit of time, but definitely pays off for it. Yeah, last but not least, I think I was very impressed by the drive of Kilian and his ability to always keep going and never stop. And every time when he gets bored, he just finds another project and executes on it. Because I think we all have a lot of ideas. We all want to dream a lot, but he actually managed to finish a lot. So he finished the hump birthday. He finished the mask that he delivered to the hospitals. So I think he has a very special drive that hopefully he keeps going for a while. In the end, as usual, I would like to thank you for listening to the 301 podcast. If you like it, subscribe. If you have already subscribed, share it with someone who should listen to it. 
And we guys are back with another podcast next week. Until then, take care. Yours truly, Marcus.